no, not at all. It's nothing like that. Talking about maybe the uh, weightlifting stuff, the actual podcast. Yeah. So I was asked the other day at work, Mm. are you okay, Ryan? I'm worried about you. Mm. And, you know, of course, I just looked at him like, yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, of course. Everything's good. Everything's Everything's fine. Hey, hey, shut up. (laughs) Shut up, man. Shut up. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so what I really wanted to say, though, is I'm fine because I'm a dumpster fire, baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I am trash. Yeah. So there's. There's a lot of smoke, ton of smoke, and you don't always see the flame, but it's there, burning hot, burning bright, and just with a lot of trash. That's me. I'm trash. I'm a dumpster fire, um, you know, but you know this about me. And one day, we'll be talking about you on this podcast. Oh, fuck. I hope yeah. not. I hope not. Um, You'll be the victim is what I mean. Oh, okay. Cause yeah. I, yeah. It, it'll be me as the perpetrator. Did I, okay. Did I tell you? I don't think I told you this, but I told a coworker about this. I don't mm-hmm. know why it came up. I want to say like he was talking about something that okay. made it come up. But anyways, um, I told him how I'd like to die. Okay. And yeah. it's not necessarily. We all have a way. It's, yeah. a, it's a certain scenario, though. It's not like my one all. Okay. But if I was to be murdered, this mm. is how I'd like to be murdered. Okay. Um, It could be a guy or a girl killing me. doesn't matter. Yeah, quality. But it's really intimate. Okay. Fucking really intimate. So. I know I'm about to be murdered. Right. He or she knows they're about to murder me. Right. So you just reach around my neck. Like, we're about to make out, but we're not. Right. You're about to get like stabbed. Said, it's very yeah. intense. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yep. It's he, he or she's got his big kitchen kitchen fucking knife. Okay. And just looks me in the eye as they're pressing it against my chest. Okay. Right? And just not, it's not going in yet, but yeah, they're pressing yeah, it. Yeah. And I can feel it. And it yeah. hurts and it stings. I'm just like shaking my head like, no, no. And they're like, yes, yes, it's okay. You know, it's just intense look in each other's eyes like, this is happening. You know, all of a sudden it's like, we love you. We love each other. It's happening. And just as they're pushing, as they're pushing, I'm mm. just like, no. And they're like, yes. Mm. And it, it just kind of pops. Oh, man. Just, yeah. He or she just slowly slides okay. it all the way in. All right. And that's that's how I go. That's how I want to go. Yeah. And no, I, I told them that because I also really want to feel what it feels like to be stabbed like that. Slowly. And yeah. so that's why... I, Okay. I would like to be murdered that way. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's not weird. I haven't talked to that coworker since. Yeah, I bet not. But, uh, I bet he avoids you. No, he right? actually doesn't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think he was just thinking I was joking. You but... know, I think, I think it was Sun Tzu that said, you know, you got to love your enemy. Yeah. So at this point, the murderer, he, he loves you. I just, and he, yeah. And, and maybe he, he sees you about once a week. Maybe you guys were in the army together. Maybe you're close, you know? Yeah. And maybe one day, you know, we're doing this podcast and he just gives it to you. I just I just feel it's very comforting. Oh yeah. To know that like okay, it's not just some rampage fucking violent just stab stab stab. It's more of just like yeah. Listen, to kill you have to love. Yeah, and like and there's just a lot of emotions and yeah. a lot of and there's a deep connection yeah. that is going on there. Oh, it's deep. All as right. it just like like I said, kind of kind of pops. That's how yeah. and it obviously doesn't so, make a popping oh, sound. Well, it but might as if it hits pierces the lungs, skin because it's not know? super yeah. sharp knife either. Oh it's man, all kitchen knife. Sure. So he the point is kind of rubbed down a little bit. Passion, and he's really yeah. got to push hard and oh, slow, yeah. but yeah. he's taking his time with it because yeah. he knows or she knows this is my last moments before it just slides right into my heart and kills me. And uh, anyways, as always, I'm staring at the beautiful Zach. What's a man got to do to get a buffalo around here? Oh, Sullivan. And I'm Ryan Lefevre, and this is Requiem for a Murder.
As always, uh, what a great way to open. That was a good way, right? It's fun. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it fits, you know? Oh, it, it fits all right. If we're going to yeah. talk about other people's murder, we got to talk about our own. Let's talk about, yeah. And also, yeah. maybe uh, I'm not sitting in fights. Don't come and murder me. But if you do, sure. you know, I'll, you know how it wants to go. Please obey my wishes because I feel well. like you might as well. You're already killing the man. And that's my other hopes, too, is like, yeah. I really hope that like they would obey my wishes like this is how i want to go yeah you know if they're coming up to murder me maybe they got an axe i'm just like hey listen please this is how i want to go and i tell them about it mm. they're like hmm okay well i really really what i was gonna do is i was gonna take this axe which is pretty fucking punk rock i like that idea yeah, yeah. but okay i'll do that and you know whatever you do after i'm dead i guess I, it doesn't matter i'm dead you know <laughs> just you know, whatever okay <laughs> um as always uh Rate us on Apple Podcast, Podcast Chasers, uh, anywhere you can rate, wherever you like to rate. Mm. Give us a review, you know. Mm. Helps us get discovered. It helps us get in other people's ears. And if you want to email us a good therapist, you know, you can uh, mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. hit us up at, uh, what is that? Requiem for a murder. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah. You know, the Secret Service also used the Gmail. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe we are. Yeah. Secret Service, too. Hey, maybe we are. Yeah, you never that, know. That's how they get you. <laughs> One murder podcast at a time. Oh, fuck yeah. So it's that time. We've waited all week for this, right, Zach? I think so. And we have. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so have you. But, you know, the talk of buffaloes, cum tummies, murder, and necrophilia. I don't know about you, but this past week seemed to drag on forever. But we made it. That's right. It's Earl Leonard Nelson Part 2. Mm. Last week when we left off, Earl was running up and down the West Coast, killing and fucking along the way. He had killed about 11 women in total by the end of November 1926. So we didn't get into the last four murders, not deeply anyways. We kind of just said, hey, this is who he killed. Right. Um, and we, don't, we won't go into each of them in depth, but let's briefly touch them. Starting with Beatrice or Beta. Beta. I don't know how you'd say that, that shortened version of Beatrice. I'm going to say beta. Beta. Because beta bitch. Beta. Beta. beta yeah. yeah. Uh, beta withers. So beta was found in the attic stuffed in a trunk. Imagine searching for this missing woman. Then in the attic, you see this trunk. You open it up. It's the last place you've looked so far. You know, there's no way she's in here. There is this little shelf compartment partition type thing. You pull it out. You start pulling out clothes. And that's when you see a half naked woman dead and crammed inside. Now imagine being a detective and thinking, hmm, this, this is clearly a case of suicide. Do you think they did the uh, <laughs> CSI Miami thing where it's just he walked in, took his sunglasses off, looked at it? Looked like this is one carry-on that will have to be <laughs> stowed below. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I love those one-liners. They're so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is exactly what Detective Techaberry thought. Is a suicide. Suicide, yeah. Really? Yeah, the police even went... Wow. Yeah, he went... Gold shield for that detective. Oh, dude, he... Yeah, he's top of the class, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, clearly she killed herself, stuffed herself in this trunk, and then raped her own corpse. Yep, yep. And uh, (laughs) the funny thing, too, is not only was he thinking this, but but he even went as far to have one of his policemen uh, get in the trunk. Okay. okay? Put the partition over themselves. Okay. And close the trunk to prove it was indeed suicide. That's now, a terrible way to kill yourself. There's easier ways. There's easier ways. Don't and, do it, but there's easier ways. Oh, yeah. Now, um, this police officer was able to do that. Okay. 
So obviously, yeah. he, oh, he, the police officer killed himself in the trunk. <laughs> no, he did. Uh, no, they, he didn't. Obviously, no, he <laughs> didn't kill himself, but he was just demonstrating. Sure. Um. So, you know, <laughs> but he proved it. Right. Case, case closed. In fact, since there was question as whether it was foul play or murder, there was a coroner tribunal of sorts, I believe, of six. Okay. Um, put together to decide whether mm-hmm. it was a suicide or not. It was a split decision: three for murder and three for suicide. It was a mystery, it would seem, Zach. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it A, a young woman whose lover, which she had recently discovered, had made her a side piece and was cheating on his wife with her, which drove her to suicide? Or did the strangler do some strangling and then stuff her in a fucking trunk in the attic? Oh, uh, suicide probably, right? There's, there's got to be other ways to tell, right? Like the probably the strangulation marks, probably the, the you know, the sexual trauma. Right, and some of the things, too, like they go over um, some of the arguments is it's like, Okay, well, after someone dies, sometimes there can be some fast twitching and stuff like that. Well, obviously, <laughs> wouldn't that, like, uh, you know, have a problem there? I don't know. Oh, um, man. Okay. I don't know. Just, mm. it'd be pretty, it seems pretty hard to me to stuff yourself in the trunk and then mm. suffocate to death was the same or strangle de- yourself. Same detective that uh, called our uh, walking weapon a, with a tomahawk, right? Uh, the same guy. <laughs> it might have been. Same guy. It Blind. sounds like oh, the they... tomahawks. If not, they're definitely close relatives. Very related. Um, but it was the beginning, it would seem. Earl knew he had heat on him. So now he started to hide the bodies a little bit to delay discovery and allow him a little more freedom of maneuver. His next murder, Virginia Grant. He hid, behi- he hid her behind the furnace. Oddly enough, the investigating detectives were leaning on the be- belief that Virginia merely died of a heart attack behind the furnace. The next body to be found was of Mabel Fluke. She was found lying in the attic, strangled to death by her scarf. Of course, the most likely theory here, Mabel strangled herself. There's a lot of suicides in attics going on. I know, right? Yeah. And heart attacks behind furnaces. Well, I mean. You know, because where's your furnace at, Zach? That's in the basement. Basement, yeah. Basement, if you have a basement, yeah. it's in the basement. Yeah. Otherwise, it's in we some just, kind of we closet. We just moved, so I was trying to think where it was. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but I mean, like closet. It could be outside. Even some of them are outside. That's the most likely place to basement. have a heart attack. You're hanging out in the basement behind your furnace. You're going downstairs to <laughs> look at the furnace for reasons unknown. Because, to talk to it. To right, hang out. I talk. You're to having my a drink furnace, with it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I fuck my furnace. <laughs> where do you think all the heat comes from? Well, you the know, passionate I, sex. I call my furnace the the fire bringer, and I usually sacrifice things. Too. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's hot. So, um, Mabel Fluke's diamond rings and overcoat were missing. Bieta Withers' overcoat was missing, and Virginia Grant's diamond rings were missing. But even with the similarities, the shit missing, it was believed that they had two cases of strangulation, possibly self-inflicted, and one of natural causes. On November... 18th, it was a Thursday, back in San Francisco, the dark strangler struck again, strangling Anna Edmonds to death and raping her corpse. Mm. The very next night, Earl Nelson was looking at a house to buy. We all know by now that old Gorilla Hands wasn't looking for a house. It was Mrs. Margaret Murray he was really looking for, and he was trying to add a little twist to his kink. Mm. Maggie, at eight months pregnant, cautiously showed Earl the house. She wasn't too alarmed by him at first, but she was practicing social distancing all the same, maintaining about a six feet distance at all times. And this isn't even during the fucking pandemic, you know what I'm saying? She's this is 1920s, man. Yeah, way out of the yeah. Game. yeah, yeah. Um, and she never turned his turned her back to him. After showing the house, she was seeing him out when he asked about the garage roof. 
because during this whole time, he kept asking about roofs, you know, just, you know, what do you do when you, if so, if I ask you about the roof, what's going on with that roof? What are you going to do? You know, like look up at it, right? Sure. Maybe turn, if you're like, you know, maybe you're going to turn your back, you're looking up right. and then I see, you know, I got my hands around your neck and I'm just choking. I'm this, choking so good. So hard. Times. He gets me every time. <laughs> yeah, dude. You haven't learned yet. <laughs> it was up there. So anyways, he asked about the garage roof and it catches her off guard. She turned and look, that's when Earl snatched her neck. But Maggie, she wasn't just fighting for herself. Mm, she was fighting for two. She screamed and hollered, scratching and clawing at Earl's hands till she broke free. Escaping his clutches, she bolted out the house and flagged down the car, uh, a car. Before she could get the man to chase Earl down, she collapsed, passed out. Don't you worry, Zach. Maggie's all right. Mm. What about the baby? The baby's fine, too. Okay. She's fine. She woke up to hey. provide a description to the I police. I mean, she's, she's probably dead now. It's, oh, it's she's, yeah, she's, oh, she's 100 so years ago. Yeah, she's definitely. But she now. was fine. Oh, yeah, she was then. good at that point. Yeah, she was fine. that's good, Maggie. She was so good. Proud of you. She was so fine. Um, another <laughs> fine. She, she woke she up. She didn't escape my clutches. <laughs> she woke up to provide the police with a description and gave birth to Richard Stanley Murray on 28th November, 1926. Hey. hmm Mr. Murray, huh? Yeah, Richard Murray. Bill Murray. All right. Is Richard short for Bill? No, it's Dick. No, yeah. William but is Bill. Richard's uh, son was named Bill Murray. You think it's one and the same? Uh, sure. It's got to be. Well, I'm thinking it has to be. Yeah. Because this can't just be a coincidence. It's not. Add 20 years-ish or so. That means 40s. I could see Bill Murray, 50s, Boomer, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. We're talking about Bill, Bill Murray's fucking, fucking family, Murray. man. Holy Good shit. Good job, Maggie. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> now, up to this point, there were many claims that they were attacked by Earl, but th- this one is undeniable. Who really knows how many more women he tried to kill and rape? Then there was Florence Monks. Not a monk. That was just her last name. A wealthy widow worth about $500,000 or over $6.5 million in today's value. Mm. She was a rich bitch. That was a rich bitch. Florence had put out ads in the paper to sell her house in Capitol Hill. She would never sell her house as she was murdered on Tuesday, November 23rd. Much like Virginia Grant, Florence had a heart issue. And she was also found behind the cellar furnace. So, obviously, she just had a heart attack on the furnace. Fire take this woman, <laughs> for she may bring more fire. <laughs> now, at first, there were uncertainties as to the cause of death. There were bruises around her neck from attempted strangulation. Well, is that the trunk, maybe, in the corner that caused that? <laughs> <laughs> but there was also blunt force trauma to her head as well as her heart condition. Okay. The biggest difference with this victim, she wasn't raped after death, which sparked obvious doubt that this was even the work of the Dark Strangler. I'm surprised they even checked. With <laughs> just how, how it's been going so far at the police, like this woman stuffed herself in her trunk and yeah. strangled herself and then gave herself the old, what do you know? Oh, what do you know? <laughs> Detective Tackleberry, wh- what do you think happened here? Well, clearly she uh, beheaded mm-hmm. herself, uh-huh. took yeah. her head, oh, uh, yes. used it to commit oral sex on herself. Oh, okay. Um, afterwards, she put her headless body in the trunk uh-huh. where she suffocated, mm-hmm. and death spasms caused uh, defensive bruises. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to lunch. That sounds fun. <laughs> Which, okay, this is way to the side. The zombie apocalypse. Yeah, okay. Okay. You got, you've been killing zombies forever. It's getting tiring. Oh, you're tired. You're it's been bored. a year. You're yeah, they're slow. Bored. Yeah. yeah, you're bored. So now you got this dude zombie, right? Okay. 
and I don't know, he's got rigor mortis too. You sure. know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. You cut off his head. Okay. And then you're making him suck his own zombie dick. <laughs> Is that something you would do? I mean, picture <laughs> just imagine you are in zombie apocalypse time. Yeah. yeah. Shit's rough. You, you you're not the same man you are today. You haven't seen a person in six months, one that's not yeah. dead, you know. You, and you have no forms of entertainment. You have no movies. You Netflix have no is gone. Sports to go to. Yeah, you've you've ran out of fuel for your generator. And no watch podcast DVD, to listen to. To watch DVDs. So now, uh, now you cut off a zombie head and make him suck his own dick. Yeah, yeah. The whole time you're just saying, "I miss born." <laughs> <laughs> but if it indeed was Earl, then he managed to flee off with about five thousand dollars in jewelry. And diamonds, but it came at a cost. The cost of murdering someone with the social status of Florence Monks mm. would carry the cost of the Dark Strangler making national news for the first time in his career. He's not national news yet. Not yet, man. Well, hot damn. I figured, like, with how much was going on, he'd probably be national nah, news. No, it was, you know, because it kept it's, popping up in the cities he was in and stuff like that. But th- th- now it's now he's hitting New York news and stuff oh. like that because Florence Monk is from New York and you know, that's where wealth. A lot of our wealth probably put well. a big damper on the housing market, right? <laughs> you would think. <laughs> People stop putting their homes up. The next day, and the day before Thanksgiving, Edna Gaylord, an elderly widow who mm. rented rooms in her house on 3rd Street in Portland, Oregon, with the company of a longtime tenant and friend, Sophie Yates, just welcomed a prospective tenant, Adrian Harris, into the home. Adrian was a stocky-built man appearing to be in his late 20s with dark hair and piercing black eyes. Adrian was dressed modestly, his clothes a little worn out, but he was a well-spoken and polite gentleman. Without seeing the room, Adrian rented it and paid for the week in advance. Adrian proved to be pleasant company for the widows. Engaging in conversation, he told them about his short-lived marriage with his ex-wife that was always flirting with other men. Mm. And the ladies talked about trying to make a Thanksgiving dinner with the little that they did have. Then, later that evening, Adrian left the house to run some errands. When he returned, he returned with shopping bags. The bags were packed with about $14 worth of food, Zach, for a proper Thanksgiving feast. Mm. During the Thanksgiving feast, and it was a feast. Remember, this is 1926. $14 can get you a lot of turkey. Well, they laughed and they talked. Adrian spoke of supernatural and spiritualistic tales and often referenced scripture. He wasn't shy about being a religious man, old Adrian, Mm. Adrian Harris. Yeah. At 10 a.m. on the fifth day of his stay, Monday, November 29th, Adrian, with days still left on his room that he paid for, Adrian gave them, the women, some very nice diamond jewelry, and he left, telling the women he was headed to Vancouver, Washington. The elderly widows thought all this was a little peculiar, but also didn't think much of it either. Oh. That is until news spoke of another murder. 48-year-old Blanche Myers was murdered later that day in her Portland home. She was found hidden underneath the bed with her skirt hiked up above her waist. Elderly woman phoned the police telling them, They just spent Thanksgiving with a dog strangler! Was it really him, though? Hmm. Let's see. His name's Adrian. Right. The Dark Strangler's name is Earl. Okay. This guy likes scripture, religion. Yeah. So does Earl. So does Earl. Um, he had some jewelry to give him. He had some, yeah. Earl had taken some jewelry. Yeah. Uh, Earl was married briefly 
He was. By his wife, and his wife liked to flirt with other men, or so he thought. Sure. Same with Adrian. Yeah. Interesting. But did Adrian rape and kill these guys? No. Oh. No, they lived. He left. Well, then probably not, right? No. It was Thanksgiving. You're welcome, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. I didn't kill and then rape your dead bodies. But he probably did fuck that turkey. <laughs> well, after learning of the generous gifts from Mr. Adrian Harris, the jewelry was taken to evidence and it was confirmed without a doubt that the jewelry, well, it belonged to none other than Florence Monks. The jewelry link was what the police needed to get their little detective light bulb brains to flicker, and the hunt was on. The police were checking pawn shops and other places where the missing items from the victims might have been sold. The manhunt on the West Coast went into full blast. This was a Jekyll and Hyde type maniac, Zach. Someone who could live two different lives. One respectable, polite, and well-mannered. The other, a gorilla-handed son-of-a-bitch strangler who only liked to put his dick in fresh, ripe, dead pussy. And though this dual life and even sex murder might be common in this day and age, back then it was all unheard of, right? They knew that any day another woman would be murdered and then violated if they didn't catch this maniac. Or another heart attack. Oh, yeah, a furnace heart attack, man. These <laughs> goddamn furnaces keep murdering these women. <laughs> Next thing you know, there's a fucking billboard up, bulletin, saying $1,500 award for furnaces killing women in west or western coastal cities. Uh, Officer Hendricks, cuff that furnace. Take it into evidence. <laughs> as soon as you say Officer Hendricks, I just imagine this dude, big afro, fucking bell-bottom jeans, sure, yeah. playing a guitar. Okay. But he's a detective. <laughs> Detective Hendricks. He's always playing guitar everywhere doing acid, man. He's oh, fun. yeah. yeah he's a, he doesn't get much done. He's fun. World's best detective. <laughs> doesn't get much done. Uh, so they knew. They didn't have much time. Little did they know, no matter how poor their police work was, Earl Nelson wasn't going to murder again. Not on the West Coast, that is. Mm. For the next three weeks, Earl would travel east, hitchhiking or hopping trains along the way until he arrived in Council Bluffs, Iowa, just a couple days before Christmas. The Beast Man, as he is also known by, did not take long to locate a room for rent sign in front of the two-story house at 351 Willow Avenue. There was a knock on the door. The 41-year-old Almira Berard answered the door to a raggedly dressed man with dark, piercing eyes good afternoon ma'am i'm mr williams i work for the railroad as a switchman from omaha and i'm going to be transferred here you see i would like to buy a house but in the meantime i'm looking for a room to rent now was well i saw your sign in front of this lovely house of yours may i come in to discuss the details and maybe maybe if you're kind enough let me have a look at the house. Thank you. Of course, Almira let Mr. Williams in. She really had no reason not to, as there is no dark strangler running rampant on the streets of Council Bluff. And her husband was also home with her. As Mr. Williams was talking to Almira, I think that's how you say the name, Almira? Probably Almira. Almira maybe. sounds Almira more correct. sounds a little more erotic. Ooh. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Come here, Almira. John had a brief introduction with a prospective tenant on his way out the door to work. Almira was almost done with Mr. Williams, a.k.a. the Beast Man, 
The beast, man. Almira was later found that night, tucked behind the furnace by John. Again, these goddamn furnaces, Zach. <laughs> Motherfucker. I'm starting to think it isn't even Earl. <laughs> Breaking news, furnace on the loose in downtown council bluff. <laughs> I can just see a bunch of people with pitchforks, torches, and they're just hunting down these fucking furnaces, just man. Stabbing. And yeah. people think they're crazy. Oh, yeah. Until, like, this yeah. mob gets up on their furnace because they break right. into your house. Sure, yeah. And they're fucking surrounded. And you're like, leave my furnace alone. It's fucking dead of winter. It's fucking, it's dead of winter. Leave my furnace alone. Next thing you know, this fucking furnace pops legs and arms and fucking just has a fucking glowing red face and it just fucking yeah. bolts out of there. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile I'm in the corner just <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Ooga chaka, ooga chaka, flesh for the fire bringer. Ooga chaka. Sounds fun. You got this mask on, and you didn't have it when it started, but it came, no, it appeared yeah. out of nowhere. I don't even know where I came yeah, from. Where I this... wasn't with the mob. I was, Wait, what happened to Zach? I was in the furnace room when they got there. Detective Hendricks, did you give us LSD again? <laughs> God damn it. See, not much getting done, man. Um. So she was tucked behind the furnace, mm. and she was found. But John, she had been strangled with a men's T-shirt. Raped post-mortem, her face was bruised, clumps of hair stuck in the furnace, and blood all over the floor. Again, this further supports the furnace theory. I mean, parts of her were in the furnace. In the fucking furnace. Yeah. Like it tried to devour yeah, her. Yeah, dude. Like the demigod that it is. And then I was like, okay, I can't eat you, so is. I'm just going to choke you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Don't turn your backs on the furnaces, folks. No. no. They'll get you. So, Zach, for a moment, again, imagine you're a detective. We'll call you Detective Skittlefucks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, you're the lead detective. Okay. You've examined the crime scene. Okay. Talked to family and witnesses. Right. You know an unknown man, Mr. Williams, a prospective tenant, was right. the last person to see Elmira alive. Right. And you know she was recently treated and discharged from St. Bernard's Mental Hospital for nervous disorder. Oh. Okay. Probably a nervous disorder about furnaces. I don't yeah, know. Probably. Uh, tell us... What is Detective Skittlefuck's conclusion on what happened? You see, at precisely 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mrs. Almira, believing the furnace to be possessed, okay. chucked herself into it. Oh, interesting. Smashing her head against it. <gasps> blood going everywhere. Oh, no. There was a heart attack. <gasps> and then she raped herself. Oh, my God. That's Post-mortem. But you're brilliant. This is terrible, but you're brilliant. Get me two lattes and a ride out of this dump. We'll do Detective Skittlefucks. So, that's right. Suicide attempt. Luckily, Sheriff P.A. Lanson. Lanson. Well, he isn't... Did they uh, really... It was a suicide attempt? That's what they thought? Well, oh. that's what uh, County, County Attorney Frank Northrop thought. He said that was a suicide. Yeah. Well, hot damn, uh -huh. County Attorney. Yeah, yeah. Shit. He fucking declared it. He was like, there's no other, you know, he was like, yep, this is what this is. Because she was in a mental hospital. Right. You know, and. Clearly. He didn't believe in the whole furnace theory. So. <laughs> well, you is know. he in a route for awakening he when is. the furnace uprising begins? Luckily, though, the sheriff had been following the dark strangler situation on the West Coast in the newspapers had. and immediately made the connection. <laughs> following it hard. Oh, huh? fuck yeah, he was. <laughs> the local paper published the sheriff's theory. With a warning and description along with it. The manhunt for the Dark Strangler was on, a, was on, but as quick as they were to pursue, Earl was even quicker. Just a few days later on December 27th, Earl was already in Kansas City, Missouri. Mm. 
where he would kill three more times. The first would be 23-year-old Bonnie Pace, who was murdered, then raped, while her six-year-old son, Victor, was forced to listen to it all as he was held captive to his bed due to tubercular spine or Pot's disease. Oh, poor fucking kid. Yeah. Just imagine you're Victor. Mm. You're held up in your bed. Mm-hmm. You can't get out. Right. Because your fucking bones are fucked, man. Sure. You know, you can't walk without any anything. I feel that. It's so yeah. bad you can't even do that. I am. You know someone, your mom's chilling in the house. No room to rent. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you hear some muffles, some noises. <laughs> and then you hear... You just, you, next thing you know, you hear loud bangs, and and you can just, you can hear her choking, mm. and you're like, oh, he's killing my mom, mm-hmm. and you're yelling, you're screaming, but you can't do anything. And next thing you know, you just hear a hear what sounds like you like um, think of like, okay, you got your fist, and then you got a fucking two year old jar of fucking mayonnaise that's all moldy and rotten, and now you're just shoving your fist in it, mm. you know, and that's mm. what you hear, because mm. I imagine. Corpse pussy sounds different than, but not, uh, but not a lot different though, Zach. I know which I know, I know it is, I know it's crazy, but not a lot different because it's still the same thing. It's just not as fresh, so it's, it's a slightly different, you know, slightly different. Uh, yeah. So that same day, Earl would murder, then rape twenty-year-old Germania Harpin. It was a busy and murderous morning for Earl, but those two murders weren't enough. After he finished with Germania. He turned on her eight-month-old baby, Robert Harpin, and strangled him to death. I came across two reports, Zach. One that states baby... Back up. He did what now? He strangled a baby. A baby? Yeah. Eight-month-old baby. And raped. Yeah. After you were just laughing about mayonnaise. I was laughing. Yeah. I think I was distressed. I was not laughing. Oh, yeah. We'll play this back. I was not laughing. I was, (laughs) you know, I was taking this serious. Yeah. That that's what I was just trying to sure. be You're descriptive. Trying to paint the picture. Yeah, that's all. You're so. an artist, is what you yes, are. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. yes. Yes, that's Earl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's terrible. <laughs> so I came across two reports. One that states baby Robert was strangled by bare hands, and the other claims the baby was strangled with his diaper. Mm. Either way, it's it's both fucked up. It's both horrendous, regardless what Earl had used to strangle a baby. These now the three murders in a 24 hour period. Because this is all in one day. Shit. All, yeah. Back to back. Both scenes were uh, houses with room for let signs, obviously, out front. And both women were raped after death. The Kansas City police, unlike the Council Bluffs sheriff, had no knowledge of the dark strangler. They really had no idea who they were looking for. After a few days, it was a new year, 1927, and the Kansas City police were just learning about the murder in Council Bluffs. With the similarities to the murder in KC came the realization they were dealing with the Dark Strangler. Mm. They had one bit of information to track the man-beast. The man-beast? Down. A witness saw an unknown man at Bonnie Pace's house around the time of the murder. The witness could not make out anything about the man himself, only that he was driving a beat-up Ford coupe. Honestly, Zach, uh... It probably wouldn't have mattered how well they looked for Earl, as he was probably already gone. Let's say, yeah, yes, he's dude. on to the next town. Yeah, he he fucking just you think comes it, and goes. Do you think in Earl's mind he's driving like, Get it, I can't find 
a good room to save my fucking <laughs> life. He's just looking. That's all it is. He's like, he's like, I need a fucking room. I want a room. It's got to be perfect. And if I don't find it, I'm going to fucking kill you. And he just snaps. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's yeah. just because these rooms suck. Yeah. These, if the these landladies room. just took better, yeah, they just had better options. Right. And, yeah. yeah, like that's why that's not even his fault. That's why he didn't kill those two women. Is you know this room, it, it's close. It's close to perfect, and for the price, mm-hmm. you get to live. And Harpin's house was so her, that room was so terrible. It was so under his expectations that he had to kill the baby too. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> All right, so it it is unknown where or what Earl was doing. During his four-month-long cooling-off period from January to late April 1927, was he on vacation in the Bahamas? Maybe. Did he join a jazz band as a sensational sax man under the name Adrian Coltrane? Was there a series of suicidal heart attacks (laughs) struck up and down the Midwest? Near furnaces? Or maybe he just hid out in an abandoned shack waiting for things to cool down Mm. and fantasizing about his past kills while for, while ferociously masturbating 15 to 20 times a day. A day. There are theories trying to link him to other murders during this time, but the murders don't quite fit his modus operandi. Oh, they're behind air conditioners? <laughs> I don't think they had air conditioners back at this time. They oh. were, I don't know. They were behind ice boxes. No wonder we're all obsessed with the furnace. It's a modern marvel. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, what we do know is at some point, Earl traveled east, leaving the Midwest for the East Coast where he found himself in a city of prohibition, speakeasies, brothels, jazz, mobsters, police corruption, the historic Tun Tavern, which was the birthplace of the United States Marine Corps. Loose lips and wide hips. That's what I'm talking about. Fuck yeah. (laughs) In the same city where the Declaration of Independence was signed. That's right. He's in Philadelphia. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. Again, it is unknown... When exactly Earl arrived in Philly, but we do know on Wednesday, April 27th, at around 3 p.m., Earl was in Philly extinguishing another life. Earl entered 53-year-old Mary McConnell's house around 2.15 p.m. with the notion of renting a room. Oh, yeah. Huh, surprise. Still on the hunt for the perfect room. <laughs> yeah. He was in about in and out about 30 minutes. At 3.30 p.m., John Donovan, Mary's son-in-law, came over to help her finish putting up wallpaper in one of the upstairs bedrooms. John never did finish the wallpaper that day. Instead, he found his mother-in-law in the unfinished bedroom, crammed under the bed with a rag tied around her throat and a sock stuffed in her mouth. Earl wasn't always a two-pump chump. He was also capable of foreplay. His next victim would be proof of that. Earl, under the alias Charles Harrison, rented a vacant room in Buffalo, New York, $5 on Friday night from Jenny Randolph. Spending the whole weekend at the house deck, on Sunday, May 29th, Earl continued socializing with Jenny, her brother Gideon, and a boarder, Fred Merritt. He proved to be quite engaging and interesting to talk to. Hmm. Fred Merritt left for work, and the three continued talking together until Gideon got too sleepy and retired to his bedroom. Hmm. Charles Harrison and Jenny continued talking late into the night. Religion, scripture, Butt stuff. I don't know. The furnace gods. <laughs> the furnace gods, man. God damn it. All alone, they kept talking up until Charles Harrison showed Jenny who he really was. The dark strangler. Jenny's body was found Monday morning, hidden under the bed of the newly rented room. 
The next stop for Earl would be at a boarding house with a room for rent at 640 Philadelphia Avenue West in Detroit, Michigan. On June 1st, Earl was let in by 53-year-old Fannie Mae, the manager of the property. As Fannie was giving the tour, she stepped inside the upstairs bedroom. Earl quickly wrapped an electrical cord around her neck and strangled her to death. Sometime after he finished having sex with her corpse, Maureen Atorthy, one of the tenants, arrived home. Maureen was a recent divorcee who served in the Women's Auxiliary Army. She was wounded in World War I and became a morphine addict after being wounded. Maureen, unaware of the recent murder, went on as usual. She went upstairs to her bedroom, which was across the hall from the murder bathroom. As soon as she entered the room, Earl strangled her with a black ribbon until the life passed out of her. Then Earl ripped open her blouse, pulled up her skirt all the way up to her waist, and raped her lifeless body. This is just... You know, I Earl remember really one time... Earl really has a, a recharge, don't yeah, he? Yeah. Huh. Uh, he does. Okay. He, he... Yeah. I don't know if he... Did he drink some orange juice? Or he's just ready to go all the time. He's ready to go all the time. Of course, I don't know how much time was in between these two. That's it could have been... point, yeah. could have been 30 minutes. Yeah. could be 10 minutes. Or he could just be able to shoot ropes for days. I don't know. I don't know, man. Earl Nelson, also known as the Pacific Bluebeard, would commit his very last murder in the United States on June 4th when he took the life of 27-year-old Mary Sietzma. Sietzma. Mary Sietzma. Sietzma, Zach. Sietzma. Hey, I'm killing here. <laughs> in Chicago, Illinois. That's fitting. Hey, I'm killing here in Chicago, man, right? Isn't that how they I talk there? New York is probably a bit. Ah, well, I'm mobsters, right? Hey, yo, I'm fucking here. Hey, I'm the furnace. You fuck over there, I fuck <laughs> over here. Hey, I'm the furnace. Ooh, gotcha. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to see that made in a shirt or like a poster of you dressed up like that. <laughs> Just the furnace there. And dancing, you, yeah. worshiping the demigod that is yes. the furnace. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, giving it women... Which is its life, which is its lifeblood. <laughs> Got to feed the furnace, man. And the furnace is holding you captive, too. Like, you have no choice, but you've adopted. You've accepted the is ways. That, is that like my religion's like, yeah, man. motto is feed the furnace? Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is people people come over because I, you know, I'm, I'm renting out rooms and they're coming to look at them. I'm like, yes, please come see the furnace. We must feed the furnace. You must feed it because it, the, okay. Feed it cold back then. Yeah. You you do what you're uh, you're today's hero with yeah. the with the furnace god mm-hmm. because if you don't give it sacrifices yeah. it'll go on a rampage you yeah. kind of keep its its hunger yeah. and stuff i don't want to do this no I, you don't it keeps me up at night but yeah. i'm saving you the world one body and at a time maybe i treat myself to some dead pussy i don't oh, know shit yeah, i mean <laughs> he doesn't know that you cut it out right you know you have to keep it to yourself he doesn't know and he doesn't no, need to know nobody else needs to know either no <laughs> beat the furnace terrible Okay, so less than a week later, Earl would arrive in Winnipeg, Canada, where he would... What? I said, okay. Yeah, where he'd rent a room in a boarding house. This time, it wasn't the landlady he went after. Instead, it was much worse, Zach. It was a young 13-year-old, Lola Cohen, who just happened to be passing by after a day playing at the park. Oh, she wasn't even there? Like, she didn't even live there? She didn't live there. Oh. He, no, he left. Wouldn't got her. And then he was like... Being a predator outside of a playground. Oh, where's Chris Hansen when you need him? I know. He was born too late. (laughs) Damn it, Chris. On June 9th, just a few days shy of her 14th birthday, the poor kid was kidnapped and would have the same horrific fate 
as the previous women. Earl would then hide her body under his bed at the boarding house after he was done with her. Lola's body would not be found until after Earl had killed again. In the meantime, Earl would wander around Winnipeg, hitchhiking and hoofing it. At one point, he decided to get a clean shave because he liked his fucking, he liked being clean shaved. Mm. Then, as an odd thing about Earl, he apparently loved being dressed in raggedy, busted-ass clothes. We knew this, but he also loved the clean shave. Okay. While getting his shave and cut, the barber noticed some blood and a recent wound on his scalp. Earl demanded he leave it alone and clean up the rest. Then, just two days later, after murdering Lola, the beast man murdered and raped 27-year-old Emily Patterson. Emily's body was discovered by her husband, which sent him into a rapid descent of pain and suffering. The chief of police was in Windsor, Ontario, for a police chief's convention, but he was being a good police chief. Mm. He was keeping up to date on a city, including the recent murder of Emily, Emily Patterson. Almost all police departments in major cities were now aware of the Dark Strangler, including Canadian cities near the U.S. border. Chief Newton believed the recent murderer fit the Dark Strangler's M.O. He immediately gave instructions, instructions to the acting police constable to publish warnings and descriptions of the perpetrator with the help of the newspapers. Further, he had his acting chief send police to every house in the city with a room for let. Every house. Damn. Did you think that this shit in the United States? Probably not. Probably not. Because fucking, that was Jimi Hendrix, fucking Detective Hendrix's job. He's too busy fucking tripping balls, and I don't blame him. That's fun. She killed herself. <laughs> he, okay, with that much acid, though, you're going to open up the barriers of your mind. Yeah. And that's yeah. when you discover the inside. fucking threat yeah. of the furnace, man. Yeah. Yeah. And he without knew. him. He knew what he needed to mm -hmm. tell everybody else. Yep. Without him, uh, we wouldn't have contained furnaces like we do today. They would yeah. be running around rampant and killing people. That's right, yeah. But now we can keep them under lock and key thanks to the air conditioner. Yep, and give them a sacrifice a month. Uh, that's all I, you got to do. That's what I found. One of those visits was to the house where he had recently been staying. Nothing really came of that visit, but it drew some, some suspicion from the landlady who went and checked the room. The room looked like the man hadn't been there for days. And there was a horrid stench, probably the man's stench, she thought. So she opened the window and let the, left the door open. When one of the tenants came home, heading to his room, he peered into Earl's open, now open room. That's when he saw what looked like a body under the bed. It was the body of poor Lola Cohen. With two bodies discovered in Winnipeg, the Canadian police were determined to catch the American serial killer as soon as possible. They knew any time wasted would inevitably, inevitably, mean more dead bodies. But by the time Lola's body was discovered, Earl was already a six-hour drive west of Winnipeg in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Though Earl already bolted to a whole other province, province in Canada, and he did it fucking quickly, it did not mean the heat would die down. All of Western Canada, if not the entire country, was on, on alert for the so-called Gorilla Man. Newspapers, radio bulletins, they all blasted warnings and descriptions of the killer. The police continued to send alerts warning people, don't pick up hitchhikers. And also, also, <laughs> warning people not to, they sent alerts, but they went like this. Don't pick up hitchhikers, eh? <laughs> don't you know? Don't you know there's a madman out here, eh? <laughs> what you talking about? Oh, Oh, fuck yeah, don't be... <laughs> now I'm going fucking a different accent here. I can't do a Canadian accent. I can't right now. 
I got too much caffeine in I me, man. Too much espresso makes me. He's a rapist, don't you know? <laughs> nah. <laughs> leprechaun-y. Little leprechaun. Too much espresso makes us like leprechauns. Yeah, well, you know, I'm Irish, so. So, the newspapers, radio, radio uh, bulletins, they all blasted warnings and descriptions of the killer. You know, they were told not to pitch up hitchhikers. And they also alerted the rails to be on the lookout, you know, the trains and stuff, to be on the lookout for anyone hopping a free ride. Earl sensed the heat and knew he had to he had to move again. This mm-hmm. time, he was making his way south to the town of Weyburn, about 50 miles from the U.S. border. Over the past year, during Nelson's murder spree, in addition to being a vicious killer, he proved to be a smooth talker, capable of evading the police and detection. However, in Canada, his ability to evade police would prove to me much harder than it was in the States. Because he he never said a boot. There was no A after every oh, sentence. shit. And he he didn't apologize for everything he did. They could smell that American yeah, they can. away. Yeah. This motherfucker. I mean, he was he was polite sure. when he wasn't murdering and raping. Right. But. Um, he mostly polite is what I think that people would say today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually, mostly, mostly polite. Mostly, mostly yeah. Mostly people. Mo- mostly. Um, <laughs> that's not saying the Canadian police were better at their jobs than the American police or that the Canadian population were more diligent in assisting the police in catching the criminal. Though one could definitely argue that. The thing is, if Earl would have fled to Canada, never to kill again, or maybe chill out for 10 years, hanging out with Detective Hendricks, yeah. dropping acid. <laughs> dropping acid. You know? Sitting in front of the ferns. Yeah, and, and maybe he would only kill every so often. Right. But maybe he went back to the States to kill. Right. And, then, you know, he would just every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, a little vacation. Yeah. He he probably would have been safe in Canada, you know? Mm, he could have probably got away with all of it. Probably. Because I don't think Canada had extradition, extradition back then. But he's got to find that perfect room. But yeah, he's got to find he's that perfect looking. room. Hey, hey, this room's not perfect. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, uh, you're not sorry yet. What but, do you mean? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got another room I can show you. Oh, I don't need to see another one. Oh, but, You'll be sorry. Oh. <laughs> but as soon as he arrived in Canada, like we know, he immediately killed. His story was already known, and it's a little harder for the for Earl to hide out in Canada as a foreigner. So he's going to Mexico now, right? <laughs> he might. <laughs> Earl continued back. I, I don't know. I think it'd be harder for him to go to Mexico because he doesn't speak Mexican. He's just knocking on the door. <laughs> uh, habla el furnace. <laughs> habla. Donde, donde está el furnace? Habla dead pussy. <laughs> um, Jesus. Yo soy beast man. <laughs> no, he, but no, he didn't go to Mexico. Instead, he, he continued back east, hitchhiking as Virgil Wilson. That's his mm. new name now. That's a good name. Virgil. Yeah. At this point, no alias or fabricated backstory or new wardrobe could keep him from standing out, though. Some of it helped him stand out even more. The more people he talked to, the better the trail he was leaving for the police. And the police, well, they were tracking in on the beast, getting closer and mm. closer. Mm. Yeah, just getting so much closer. Tighten in the news. Oh, yeah. Manitoba, near the border especially was an area not to be fucked with. The police was out in full force, and they were more like an army. Local militias or vigilante crews armed with rifles, knives, and axes 
roam the land searching for the gorilla man. <laughs> the gorilla man. I thought that was just what they did all the time. They didn't even know the strangler was in town. <laughs> this is just what, <laughs> they, just what do. they do for fun. Yeah. They're lo- yeah. looking for those goddamn furnaces, man. What are you going to do after dinner, honey? Oh, I'm probably going to join a mob again. <laughs> Go out, <laughs> hit the streets, see what happens. On Wednesday, November 15th, Nelson, whether he knew it or not, spent the day with a pair of men hot on his trail. It was almost 6 p.m. when Earl arrived in Wacopa, a small town with a train station only five miles from the U.S. border. He entered Leslie Morgan's general store to buy some food. Wacopa, a very small town, had about 10 houses. Okay. So it didn't have a huge population. Sure. You know, everybody probably knew everybody. Right. And with all the news of the gorilla murderer, Earl stood the fuck out. Mm-hmm. As soon as Earl left, the police were called, and they were there as fast as their car could fucking get them there. About 18 miles an hour back then. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it topped out at 40, you know? Head into high gear, Jimmy. <laughs> They're going five miles out. You got a kid fucking walking by <laughs> yeah. faster than them. Get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> we got important police shit to do. <laughs> then you get, then you see this old, old lady. She's a wheelchair, and she's fucking moving faster than them, too. Couple couple carriages come by. They steal their horses and <laughs> connect them to the car to help it go faster. Oh, man. This guy had to suck. <laughs> no, cars went faster than that, though. Uh-huh. That's why there was a... That's one thing, like, with these murders back then is there was more uh, opportunities like this where, you know... Killers would get away and fucking kill in other places because it's, the because of the car. It's almost like Earl created Blitzkrieg in a way because that's that's how the Nazis he, did it. They, is they, they moved in so fast and that's motorized. From yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitler, you get in and you get out. Hitler. Sometimes you get in and you get in out. His and you youth, get in and get out. Sometimes in, in you get his in youth, and get out, looking get for in, the perfect room to rent, <laughs> stumbled across the Messiah. Yeah. of room renting. And as we all know, yeah. Hitler loved furnaces. He fucking loved <laughs> he fucking them. Loved them so he used much. to paint them. Yeah, he used to feed them. Yeah, do what? Holy you... shit! Your theory is all fucking coming to sense, and I don't, I don't like how where this conversation is going. Though it's really bad. Um, but now it's kind of making sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, maybe Hitler believed in that theory about the or about the furnace religion. He was into the occult. I think he did. He just didn't yeah. know that he you only had to yeah he but he didn't know you only had to sacrifice one body a month he tried about, one person a month he, he tried about six million <laughs> <laughs> okay let's get off on that um oh shit my bad no, that's cool man <laughs> hey hey they're gonna think this is pro- i think this is like the third time we we talked about the holocaust no it can't be it's all been very offensive okay well Get me out. We're always crossing lines anyways. I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. They I should be used to it. I don't think they'll notice. Yeah. I mean, I just, we were talking about uh, expired mayonnaise. Yeah. Uh, this can't be too far. I mean, this can't be worse than the no. eight month old, right? It was almost 7 p.m. when Earl was staring down the barrel of the constable's issued sidearm. Oh, Earl. Yeah. yeah. Earl surrendered on the spot. I bet he did. Because he's polite. He's a pussy is what he's, he is. <laughs> Earl told the police that his name was Virgil Wilson, a ranch hand from Vancouver who was working in Manitoba for a few months. Mm. He continued saying he has never been to Winnipeg or the United States. However, Virgil didn't speak with a Canadian accent. There was no A at the sentence. Eh? This motherfucker, well, he had an American accent. Earl was quickly hauled off where he was put in a cell in Killarney, Jail. This cell was like a century old. It was a pretty old cell, but it was his job. They the got him. Perfect 
room. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> he walks in. He goes, "This I, is beautiful. I found it. Yeah, I can finally end." Constable, I was gonna kill you, and then fuck your bowl. <laughs> but but I found the perfect room. But this is brilliant. You got a straw bed. Hey, I love straw beds. I share nearest furnace. <laughs> there's no furnace. <gasps> There's a straw bed. I'm safe from the furnace. <laughs> so, um, so he gets locked in the cell. Okay. Um, in Clarence Jail. And after a year and a half, international murder spree filled with carnage and necrophilia, it would seem that it had finally come to an end. With Earl locked up, the constable, Constable Gray, eagerly set off to tell, to send a telegraph to the Winnipeg authorities, mainly his boss, hmm. of the good news. Yeah. The constable, returning with his victory cigar, entered the Clarny Jail to a defeating, albeit embarrassing, image. The constable's heart most likely stopped and sunk beneath the earth when he saw the cell door with its lock picked and wide open. The gorilla killer was long gone. God damn it. <laughs> He's a fucking Houdini. Houdini, we learned that in the last episode, man. Hmm. You know? Hmm. You know, the Napa State Hospital called him fucking Houdini. Today, they're just calling Gorilla Man. The Beast Man, Beast Man, Beast Man. Within minutes, Constable Gray, though, he assembled a mob of men equipped with lanterns, flashlights, shotguns, pistols, and, of course, fucking pitchforks. Fun fact, he didn't assemble the mob. He walked outside and got (laughs) one of the nearest mobs. They were already already there, man. They were doing their fucking... They are already doing their mob thing. He's like, hey, can I borrow you guys for a second? The crazy thing is actually, because this was, um, when was this, June 15th-ish? It was actually uh, the Canadian International Mob Festival Day (laughs) in fucking Wakopa. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's famous. It's world-renowned. Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. You know, I I want to go there someday. 80 mobs out and about. Yeah, dude, it's fun. Need to yeah. check it out my bucket list. Yeah, and you can dress up in your furnace fucking uh, attire, and everybody will be happy. Chaka, ooga, ooga. You know, you'll fit right in, man. It'll be great. They'll probably chase me. No, 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 no not that. Okay. They'll be like, oh, he's part of the mob. Yeah, he's he's dressed differently, but he's a he's a mob member. He's a mob member. He's all not right. this mob member, but uh, you can tag along. Bully. Uh, the only thing they were missing in their mob was torches, though. But they had oh. the pitchforks. Okay. The mob set off in cars and on foot in search of the barefooted gorilla killer. Because when he got arrested, and uh, the constable, Constable Gray, when Gray put him in the cell, standard procedure, he took his shoes, his belt, uh, anything, you know, that could be used to for suicide or to fucking escape. You know, that kind of thing. So he's out there running around barefooted. That night, Earl snuck ar- around till he found an old barn where he hid out for the rest of the night. He managed to find an old raggedy sweater and a pair of old hockey skates. Because it's fucking Canada. Well, I know you're thinking, well, what the fuck is he going to do with a hockey skate? You break off the... He broke out the yeah, place. Yeah, okay. And so now he's got some that's, shoes. That's what I thought. They're weird-looking shoes. My first thought, actually, was this man trying to walk down a road with, with, the with fucking the, with blades. Just imagine that. Isn't that comical? Yeah, yeah but then I was like, no, nah, I probably would have just broken them off. And there's some music playing. <laughs> Constantly breaking his ankles. <laughs> Early in the morning, Earl was on the move again, heading south. At this point... Earl must have had quite the God complex. Mm-hmm. He went, went up to a local farmer, bummed a smoke off of him. Oh, good, yeah. Had a little chat. Yeah. Um, this was all in the midst of the mob hunting him. But he didn't give a shit. Of course, once Earl left, the farmer, he called the police. 18 miles an hour, here they go. Oh, shit. <laughs> you got that fucking old lady again on the wheel- fucking wheelchair, fucking buzzing right <laughs> by us. Margaret! 
Margaret, stay on the sidewalk. You're going to get killed. Quit showing off, bitch. <laughs> With your fancy new wheelchair. In hopes of hopping a train, Earl headed down to the tracks. And as luck would have it, Earl's wishes would be answered. As an early train coming from Winnipeg was just arriving. Dude. But on this train. Oh, yes. The mob. Uh, <laughs> kind of. Oh, okay. A little did Earl know. The train was packed with a swarm of police Holy who shit. had been traveling from late at night with one purpose, to catch Earl's ass. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> hey, I kind of was right. I didn't know. Yeah, dude. The police force in the train would never really get the chance, though. You get hit by the train? No. Oh. No. As Earl was sneaking around the tracks, the mob was closing in on him. <laughs> Earl, yet again, was staring down the barrel of a gun, just like last time. Earl did not resist, but did try to smooth talk his way out of it. However, no one bought his bullshit. Earl was taken and walked up to the train and delivered directly to the disembarking police force that traveled most of the night to catch him. Mm. Isn't that convenient? Like, you're getting off, you're like, all right. Job well done. But it's also disappointing because you're expecting, like, I don't know, you're expecting to go out with your boys, fucking maybe, I don't know. You're about to get your manhunt on. You're like, check every outhouse, in-house. Oh, we got him. Oh, what? Shit. Hey, good job, boys. Super fucking convenient. Yeah. All right, boys. Turn the train around, right? Earl was taken back to Winnipeg where he would be fingerprinted, photographed, finger banged. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not that know, part. I know said, that's why you laughed. When you said fingerprinted, you I don't thought know why finger the banged. First, no, the first thing I thought was finger fucked. Yeah, dude. Earl would be finger They probably did. You know, I don't know. No, they didn't. You might as well. And locked him up at Rupert Street Police Station. Okay. Earl was still claiming to be Virgil Wilson. Right. The recently escaped guy from that other jail cell. Yeah, the ranch hand. They had let, I mean, the door was open. Which in Canada, you don't call farms ranches. At least back then, they called them farms. Mm. That was a that was a giveaway, too. Come on, Virgil. Yeah, get your shit together. You stupid fuck. Stupid fucker. Um, but the fingerprints and photographs were sent back to the United States, to the police, police departments of his previous, previous murders, which confirmed it was indeed... Earl Leonard Nelson. The Gorilla Beast. Meanwhile, I'm... the fucking Navy's like, hey, we've been looking for that guy. <laughs> he's, he's both a cook and someone else. He's fucking Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. God damn it. Nah, he's not. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. It's only a matter of time before this motherfucker escapes again. Mm-hmm. But just like with Napa State Mental Hospital, the police learned their lesson. With Earl's Houdini-like ways. Shot him right in the head. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. Um, and he would not be escaping a second time. Okay. At first, after his arrest, Earl admitted to his crimes, telling reporters, quote, All I do in my landing killings on Saturday night. Is that right, though? No. He killed say, on many different it, days. Yeah. No, yeah, no. No, no it was not Thanksgiving. Some days no. were Tuesdays. Some yeah. days were Mondays. He's not, full of shit. Just not Thanksgiving. He, he was trying to come up with his new catchphrase, you know, like Saturdays is for the boys. But <laughs> it said fucking murder and raping women. Saturdays is for the corpse. Corpse fucking. Yeah. Saturdays is for the corpse fucking. I would do it on Sunday, but it's God's day. It's God's <laughs> Sunday, I repent. Monday, it's I actually start over. It's actually pretty convenient, too, because yeah. you fuck a corpse. Yeah. And then go to church. Sometimes it's like right, just a couple bed. hours before church. Right. Just go right to confession. Uh, Father, I'd like to... <laughs> I have a confession. Well, uh, what, what Satan Hail Marys. What What are your sins, my son? How many Hail Marys do you think it would be for fucking a dead body? At least 50. 50? You think that's it? <laughs> At least 50. I mean, that sounds sound like a lot. Though. Well, you think you think he walked into confession. He's like, uh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And Father's like, well, what are your sins, my child? <laughs> He's like, well, I've been fucking dead bodies, usually from old women in the 
father says, that's nothing. I've been fucking small children. Yeah. So let's just both shake hands and part ways. <laughs> <laughs> let's both say 10 Hail Marys. <laughs> yeah. um, Goddamn. Later, he would retract his admission of guilt, though, as these fools usually do, and would claim innocence. Oh, yeah. Earl, after his capture, was, of course, indicted for his murders in San Francisco, Portland, Detroit, Buffalo, and Philadelphia. And I say San Francisco because there was also, uh, you know, the neighboring cities, too. Do you think uh, think, uh, Deputy Deputy Detective Hendricks maybe (laughs) went back to the trunk and was like, hmm, maybe. (laughs) He goes back, (laughs) hmm, interesting. (laughs) Now that I look at it from a new (laughs) perspective. There's no possible way she could have done this herself. <laughs> um, After the 18 people dead behind furnaces that he raped, a couple of the cops had called it a heart attack or a suicide to furnace. So it was like, I bet you they feel like idiots. Bailey, you ever think, uh, you ever think maybe we got this one wrong? <laughs> oh, they gotta be, yeah, they gotta feel so dumb. <laughs> what would you do? I would probably quit and just move I away. Would I, would, I would leave. I would take a whole new career. Path. Yeah, oh, like, you have to. What's the opposite of being a detective? A murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I could do this better, right? Um, well, now you have all the answers. You've been a detective. I was thinking a firefighter. You're like, oh, when I murder somebody, put them in the truck. They're just going to think it's suicide. It's brilliant. <laughs> suicide to furnace. If I was the detective on scene, what would I think? Oh, the furnace killed him. Yeah, so you'd be good. But before he could answer. For his crimes in the United States, he would have to answer for his crimes in Canada. In Canada, well, they have the death penalty. After claiming the lives of about, about 23 people, Earl's trial would begin on November 1st. It was a pretty simple case. During Earl's short reign of terror in, Can- terror in Canada, he managed to create a lot of witnesses along the way. And on November 5th, 1927, Earl Leonard Nelson was found guilty and sentenced to death. Do you think he still called himself Virgil? Like he just kept At the story. At this point, he just <laughs> never kept, changed. He kept the he kept the backstory the whole time. They're like, he's no. like, but if but if you if you lock me up and sentence me to death, I'll never get back to the ranch and <laughs> tend to the <laughs> tend to the horsemen who are. Weird twist is he really is Virgil, and his fucking boss at the ranch is like, where the fuck is this where motherfucker? The, at? Where the fuck is Virgil? You can't find any good help these days. You know what? With with Virgil gone, I need another source of income. I'm going to have to put a room up for rent. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, a few months later, at Vaughn Street Jail in Winnipeg, mm. Earl still maintained his innocence. Sure. Virgil. <laughs> yeah, Virgil still did. Saying, quote, I forgive those who have wronged me. Right. Those words would be his final words before he would be hanged to death at 7.30 a.m. on January 13th. Only a few months later, huh? Oh, they didn't fuck around. Well, Man, yeah, how the times have changed. Yeah. Well, the now trial they get like started. Ten years. The trial started on November first. They just it was, went through this shit. He yeah. was sentenced on November fifth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Death. Yeah. Four months. Well, I mean, they had a, a couple months later. They didn't have a lot of evidence, though. And like I said, witnesses, because he kept hawking his shit at at stores and stuff. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and you know the boarding house he was seen. You know, I mean, a that was his room that he rented that he hit, hit under the bed, that uh, low under the mm. bed stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think they had their shit together. And the Canadians did it more take, than It would take Americans. us like 15 years, though, now. If we're going to, like, even if we had all that evidence, because they get appeals and oh, they get trials. Yeah, they, and yeah that and the death penalty wait, is kind of, you know. You gotta be which a, I think you is gotta be good, too. You got to be a state too. that does the death penalty. And, yeah, and I, I do think 
And it because what if they're it innocent. probably is good exactly, yeah. and that's why I think it probably is good that the if there is a death penalty, it does take a long time because how many wanted, people are wrongly convicted? You I know still, what I mean? I still wanted the story to end when they were like, "Well, he does some Houdini shit, and then just he's in his jail cell, and the cop just pulls out his gun and shoots oh, him. Oh shit! Just shoots him like, yeah, Houdini that bitch, Houdini that motherfucker. That would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. <laughs> I think that'd be the best ending. No one else is fun. Hmm. Well, this this story was fun, right? Yeah, I mean, true crime, necrophilia. Everyone's two most favorite things. Right. <laughs> Last week, uh, we talked about, um, you know, you got to fuck that buffalo. Yeah. Now we're going to uh-huh. feed the furnace. Yeah. And he, he this of course, he fits our guidelines perfect mm. for the subject of the show. I mean, we have a psychopath mm-hmm. and that he, if he would have remained in prison or jail for the attack on the little girl in the early beginning, you know, his first victim yeah. where he attacked and was yeah. beat up by her, the girl's brother. Yeah. Uh, well, he would, he would have never murdered anyone. That- or violated any corpses, or hosp- played with mayonnaise. If the hospital had been a little better at life, maybe. Yeah. Or if the navy, or if had the been navy fucking did their job, the army, they could have or... just thrown him over a boat, let him sink. Shit, shit. No one would notice during the yeah. war. Yeah. Well, you, you, I mean, even Canada almost fucked up though. Yeah. He got out of that jail cell. Yeah. God, well, good thing, man. Okay. Good thing he was able to walk outside, and, and it was mob festival. And on Constable Gray's defense too is mm. when he was driving uh, Earl or Virgil. Back to the jail, mm. you know, he was talking to him the entire time, asking him questions, mm-hmm. and uh, the Gray had uh, doubts that this was even the man they were looking for because he's mm. very polite, well mannered, you know, and mm. he was like yeah. not expecting like this isn't, you know, right. uh, and he was dressed a little differently too, sure, um, than what his last uh, report of what he was wearing was, and then when he went to telegraph uh, his bosses back in Winnipeg. They gave a new description of what he was wearing, and it was the same thing he was wearing. He was like, oh, fuck, okay. But before he left, I don't know why the other cop didn't stay there, because that would have been the smart thing to do. Sure. Instead of, you know, both cops leaving or whatever. Right. But he did put two padlocks on there, you know, um, to lock the cell. Um, and Earl just managed to weasel a little piece of metal and fucking got out of there. But um, Or did Constable Gray leave the key in one of the padlocks. <laughs> no, he didn't. I don't know, maybe. Two padlocks. They uh, I don't want to lose the key. I'll just put it right there. I'll All put right. it in the other one. <laughs> Either way, to our neighbors to the north, I know as Americans like to say, America's the best and all, but on this one thing, mm-hmm. and maybe maple syrup, mm-hmm. you got that fucking match point. Yeah, good job. Great job. Yeah. They did good. And mm-hmm. remember, if at any point during the show, you got hard, <laughs> especially a little bit, or wet, Sure. And started masturbating to the thought of Earl fucking a corpse. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. I mean, he'll talk to me. Don't talk to me. Maybe we can work something out. You know, a now and later type of deal. You know, you please me now, and I'll please you later with my corpse dick. But what's important is that we both consented to that. And that's what matters. (laughs) Because we have to respect each other, right, Zach? And we have to love one another. Even if it's with my corpse dick. But I'll sign a consent form. Maybe. I don't know. I'm open to it. That's all I'm saying. I've said that last episode. I am open to it. Possibility. It's possible. If you are going to murder me and you follow through with my wishes on how to be murdered, I will sign a consent form so you can fuck my corpse stick and not fucking feel bad about it. That's all I'm saying. Um, Don't forget, if you want to support the show even further, leave us a review. Right, Zach? <laughs> Please don't. No, no, not, dude. Not uh, anymore. Come on. It's fine. No, okay, fine. But yeah. if you, either way, you write something in there, no yeah. matter what. If you definitely leave one star, please leave that in there too. Yeah, talk to me about it. Tell us why. Wasn't mm-hmm. the wasn't the last part of the show about the 
I mean, uh, I, fuck. I mean, I get PR? it. PR? Yeah, I get it. Fuck PR? <laughs> I don't like fuck PR because that sounds like we're saying fuck burrito. Puerto Rico. But I like Puerto Rico. Part of the U.S. too. You know? yeah. Um, But yeah, leave a review. You know, podcast, Apple Podcast, Pod Chaser, Stitcher, wherever the fuck you do it at. Pick your favorite place. Hell, do it on all of them. Mm. It really helps with our discovery. And we'll even shout out some of the reviews on the show. So, you know, your dreams of being associated with serial sex murders and rotten mayonnaise can come to life. You can use an alias. <laughs> yeah. You don't got to use, you your, real really use your real name. <laughs> I don't use my real name on those either. Mm. You know? yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, do that. It's fun. Or don't. It's whatever you want to do. That's right. Um, and again, if you need to reach out, maybe we got something wrong. Maybe we got something really right. Or maybe you're interested in that opportunity that I mentioned at the end of the show. You can email us at uh, recreantforamurder at gmail.com. I will read those emails. I'll read them so good. Thanks for joining us on Recreant for a Murder. Until next time. Read the furnace. Ooga shock. Ooga shock.